what are you an expert in? What industry could you talk about for an hour on end? And I think an important point too is that just because you're really niched in the beginning doesn't mean that you can't expand in the future. The important thing is that you're using that niche to grow an audience that trusts you as an expert in that specific area. And then as you're growing that community that not only trusts your expertise there, but also begins to like you as a person, then you can start talking about other things. Welcome to CEO School. We're your hosts, Sanira Madani and Shannon Monson, and we believe that you deserve to have it all. Less than 2% of female founders ever break 1 million in revenue, and we're on a mission to change that. Each week, you'll learn from incredible mentors who have made it to the 2% Club, as well as women well on their way, sharing how they've defied the odds so that you can do it too. You're a real business now. Class is officially in session. This episode is sponsored by The Club, a quarterly box and digital monthly community to help you level up in leadership and life. Learn more today at join.theceoschool.co slash the club. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of CEO School. I'm so excited to have my friend Christina Galvado on the show today. I know many of you guys already know Christina from the online space. She is a well-renowned travel blogger turned pro, and now she's teaching women how to turn their passions into businesses. And I'm so excited to welcome Christina and have Christina share her story of how she made her way all the way to the 2% Club and all her learnings along the way. She's so incredible. I can't wait for you to get to know her. So without further ado, Christina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sanira, for having me. I'm super excited. I'm so excited uh, to have you on the show. I know I was on your podcast. It just feels like not that long ago um, when COVID mm-hmm. happened. Uh, and uh, it was such an incredible hour of us chatting. Mm-hmm. I felt like we could sit here and talk for hours. And that's when you know that, you know, I was like, oh, she definitely has her podcast as well. And I'm so, I'm so pumped to have you today um, and talking about your journey. So let's get started there. would love for you to share with our audience a little bit about yourself and a little bit about what you do. Yeah. Um, so I am a travel and lifestyle content creator and blogger, and I'm also an online educator. Um, I teach women how to grow their audiences on social media and on their blogs and monetize to build you know, their own little online empire. Um, and I'm also the host of Her Life by Design podcast, which is a podcast that focuses on influencer marketing and creating a career online. That's so incredible. Christina, I'd love to take our audience back through your journey of just starting out online. I know you started out as a travel blogger and then now you teach other women how to run successful blogs and social media platforms. Let's take them all the way back. How did you start? How did you become a travel blogger and what was your, what was your journey like from, from the beginning? Yeah, it's so wild. And I think back to how I started because I had no intention whatsoever of, you know, building something, you know, this large and this, uh, you know, just beyond my wildest dreams. So um, everything kind of started in 2016. I'd been working at that point for a PR agency in New York City. I was, you know, a year out of college and I felt like at that point, you know, I had done everything that I was supposed to do, right? Like get good grades in college, get the internships, find the job. Um, and I, something was missing. It was like, I was getting so caught up in the monotony. I didn't feel really fulfilled in my nine to five. I felt like something 
something was missing. Um, and so I started a little blog and Instagram all about travel, uh, for fun on the side. It was just like a fun, creative outlet. I had always been, um, an avid traveler since I was very young. Um, and so that was, you know, what I was the most passionate about. And so I started this Instagram page and this blog, not really knowing that you could actually, you know, monetize it and make it into a career. Um, so you were just, you were excited to just share your travel experiences and just start blogging about it as just a, a passion project, not really looking to monetize against it. You're just like, I love to travel and I want to just tell people about my travels and places that I've yeah. been where I love to do. Yeah, exactly. It always been one of those things where like, I was always being asked about travel by my friends and family. So it was kind of just like a resource for them. Also just like a fun thing to do. I'd always been that kid that like had journals and like, you know, had a Tumblr and all of this. And, and so I was kind of naturally just creative in that way, I suppose. So as I started to connect more with other bloggers and influencers, I realized like, oh, you can actually, you know, not just like make a little bit of money. You can make a full blown career out of this. And there's opportunities to work with brands and, you know, build this community that can, you know, allow you to build a business larger than you ever imagined. So then I started really concentrating on building my audience because I saw it as a way out of my nine to five at that point. Um, and so around then, um, I was starting to work with different brands, started getting a little bit of income from that side hustle. And I kind of said to myself in late 2016, like, you need to leave this job as soon as possible. My coworkers didn't know about it. It was something that I was like doing hidden in my little cubicle, tucked away, like closing the windows when my boss would walk by and things like that. Um, so I, um, got an email, I think it was February, 2017. I got an email from the tourism board of the Dominican Republic asking me to come on a seven day press trip down there to kind of like create content for the destination, promote it on my platforms. And I knew that I couldn't with my 10 vacation days, which is wild, um, ask for, uh, seven days off, you know, with two weeks notice. So I was like, okay, you know what? This is it. I've been saving a little bit of money. I knew, you know, kind of how I was going to make money. I didn't have a full plan. I don't know if I recommend this to people. It's just sort of what happened to me. I think entrepreneurship in general always requires a little bit of a leap of faith or, you know, diving headfirst off a cliff. <laughs> I think, I think this is a really good point for us to, to talk about today. Cause I actually love this part about your story. Um, I, I hear a lot of women, they feel like they have to have it's all or nothing. And I'm a huge proponent of building on the side. Like there is absolutely nothing wrong with having a side hustle. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with utilizing your nights and weekends. I don't promote uh, working on your boss's time. I have a huge team. And uh, I think that you should be devoted to your work if you're at your work. But Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, no, no it, it's the truth though. But know. You know what it is? When you, when you become so passionate about something and you can't stop thinking about it, that's when you know. So I actually, I'm okay with that as long as you get to that point. Um, and, but what it takes is the hustle. It takes the nights and weekends. It takes you, um, you know, putting in that extra energy, even when you don't have it. Right. So it wasn't just built. Um, it, you worked so, so hard on it. And what I think it's, it's really crazy that this notion of you have to have all or nothing. I also believe in building, um, and, learning, getting that knowledge and testing the waters, right? Because it is such a huge risk that you're about to take. And you didn't actually just take the risk. You'd be like, Oh, I'm going to become, this is going to be super wildly successful. I'm going to be offered free trips. You worked your, 
you worked your butt off to get to that point. And that first email that you got, that was legitimizing you as a blogger. That was like the first point. Mm-hmm. And I'm like exactly. thinking back to Christina at her desk and you've worked up until that point, And that was probably like a holy wow moment because you finally gained that validation that you can earn money off of this. And you are now able to actually leave your nine to five because you put in all the effort to get there. Exactly. Yeah. And I think specifically with being in the travel space, you know, if, if you're in fashion, like you can still create that content while you're at your nine to five, but there's a certain thing with travel where, you know, you need to be traveling. Um, but I, I love that point. And I actually think like people poo poo on the nine to five and like having a side hustle thing, but it actually, you know, puts you in a really great position because you have this income that you can use to kind of invest in your business and build up this side hustle while you have that guaranteed income coming in, because it can oftentimes take, you know, a while no, to build I- that side hustle. Absolutely. I, I really love that. So, okay. So you, um, but, but it's, it's incredible that you were, so you had the opportunity and then that was your aha moment. Um, mm-hmm. and I love going back to those aha moments. I very clearly remember my aha moment. Um, and it also ended up with me leaving my job. Right. So I think this is yeah. kind of like a part of entrepreneurship <laughs> that does take place of when you have to finally make that decision and you make that decision and you say, okay, I'm all in what happens next. Yeah. So from there, I put my two weeks notice in, took a little celebratory trip to Cuba, went on my press trip to the Dominican Republic. Um, and then the next, like, I would I say- like you have that fab leave. You're just like, okay, bye. And now I'm going to go travel the world. I know. I'm going to go to a country with absolutely no wireless connection. See you later. Um, <laughs> so for the next two years, like I was in full travel blogger mode. Like I think I was home in New York, maybe five to seven days a month. I was traveling constantly, um, working with tourism boards, working with hotels, working with lifestyle brands. And that I think was really imperative to my journey, even though now I've slowed down quite a bit because it gave me the ability to create a lot of content like in a very short period of time. So because I was bouncing from country to country, it allowed me to create content and really build up my audience. And then I actually don't know what a life of a travel, I follow um, many amazing (laughs) travel bloggers. So I'm sure my audience, if I'm curious, I'm sure my audience is curious. What is the life? Because it looks really glam. Is it really glam? Are you just getting to go on vacation on someone else's dime and get free meals, tickets, booze, everything. And you're getting paid to do this and making a bajillion dollars. Uh, no, I think that's a misconception people have, right? Because I think they see sort of like the, what, what we want you to see on Instagram, which is like, you know, free hotel stays and getting paid to take photos on the beach. But I think in real, and it is a very, it is an incredible job. Like to have the ability to be paid to travel around the world and create content is unbelievable. Um, but I think there's another side to it, which is, um, sometimes getting caught up in getting the perfect photo, which can take, you know, six hours a day of like driving to one place to get one photo and then driving back the two hours, like, um, the constant hustle of like, you know, creating the content for the brands and just sort of always needing to find the balance between actually enjoying your travels and doing your job. And I think that that's something that, you know, I've run into a few times where I'm like, I started this because travel is my biggest passion. I love everything about travel. Um, but there's a line when it becomes like, it feels too much like work. Right. So you have to set boundaries in place to like, be able to enjoy what you're doing. So for me now I'm like, okay, we're only going to shoot for an hour a day, 
um, every other day, especially because I'm traveling more with my boyfriend now and he would go insane. <laughs> um, so just setting a little bit of, of those boundaries. I think that's such an incredible point because it is true. I think to the outside world, any like, you know, Shannon on one of the last episodes for Wind Down Wednesday, she talked about seven myths of entrepreneurship. And if you haven't caught that episode, it's a quick 20 minute one. I highly recommend you go back and listen. And one of the myths that she talks about is um, like entrepreneurship is all the Instagrammable moments of like the fancy office and the pretty laptop and the cute accessories. And it's not, it's actually, um, it's, she's like, I think she says like top knots and sweats and it's not about work and working when you don't want to. I think this is a big myth that people dispel. We don't really talk about much is that no matter how successful you become or where your company goes, it is still a fine line of being able to balance that because work is always still going to be there. So I love yeah. talked about setting boundaries. I'd like to talk about that a little bit further of how you continue to do that. Yeah. I think that's a really important point too, because sometimes, you know, now that I've, i people don't talk about the hustle that has to go into, the, into things like, like yeah. building your business. It's, it's working until 3 a.m. It's like working on plain tray tables. It's, you know, all of these things that we don't show. And I think sometimes on my Instagram stories, I post and I'm like, I take weekends off, right? Like that's a boundary that I've been able to set for myself because I've spent three years working 24 seven on building this. But at the beginning, especially if you have a side hustle, taking weekends off might not be possible. It probably won't be possible if you want to grow really fast. So I think it's important that like people understand that, you know, you need to set boundaries, but there's no getting, getting past the fact that it's going to be that grind for a while. I think this kind of brings about the idea of like building your team. I think my team is really the only reason why I'm able to set those boundaries for myself. Um, so I think it's really important that when you have your own business and you find yourself you know, working yourself into the ground, doing things that you don't enjoy, spending too much time on things that aren't money making activities. That's when you need to build out your team. So I think having a team is what has allowed me to be able to take weekends off, um, feel comfortable knowing that certain content is going to get out when it needs to get out. You know, I don't need to worry about this Instagram account. I don't need to worry about Pinterest or whatever it is, um, because I've been able to outsource those sorts of things. I love it. So let's talk about how you got to that point of building that team out, because I think this is definitely a big pivotal moment for most entrepreneurs when you go from solopreneur to being responsible for a team. And I know a lot of uh, things shift when that, like when that moment happens. So I'd love for you to take us back and talk about the growth that you had. And when was that moment that you were like, I'm going to bring on my first team member? Yeah. Um, so this probably started for me in like 2018, I believe, um, when sort of the online education side of my business came about. So at that time I was looking for, you know, I was running a six figure business as an influencer and a blogger, but I was looking for a way to not rely on brand collaborations for as my main source of income, because with brand collaborations, you are trading your time for money. Um, and I was just looking for a smarter way to sort of monetize the audience that I had built. Um, and I also started to notice that a lot of the emails and messages and things that I were, was getting were less about travel and more about how can I do what you do. And I think it's really important that when anybody looks at how they can monetize their audience to just listen to what questions they're being asked, what does your audience want to know? That's really the key to where you're going to start to diversify your income and grow your business. So, um, in 2018, I created my first online course called the Influencer Bootcamp that was specifically focused on 
you know, teaching people how to do what I do. So growing my audience on Instagram, creating high quality content, monetizing and working with brands. Um, and that course, when I launched in 2018, I did not know what a webinar was. I didn't know what a funnel was. I didn't know what a lead magnet or a freebie was like nothing. Um, and I launched just to my audience. I literally posted, it was like, you know what? Like I have this, this course available. Do you want it? I had a multiple five figure launch and I just kind of messily did it. Um, and then over the next two years, the last two years was really about <laughs> learning webinars, learning evergreen funnels, um, running Facebook ads, and just getting smarter about the way that I was um, selling my courses and um, building my you know, thought leadership within this space. And so then I created my second online course about blogging. And um, today, two years later, uh, 2% Club, Team of 10, and uh, multiple streams of income, which has been amazing. That is so incredible. Congratulations on your successes thus far. I know we at CEO School are super proud. I love the fact when we hear about more women entering what we call this fictitious 2% club, which now is becoming a real thing um, because we need to see more women at the other side. And it, it's, yeah. you know, your story just goes to show that it is possible. It doesn't matter when you started as a side hustle all the way to building a million dollar business. It's really incredible. And it's super, super special. We're so proud of you. And what I love is the fact that you grew and you, you know, once you kind of got to that next point, I think this is where in entrepreneurship, it's really about pivoting at the right time mm -hmm. and being able to see the changes that are happening around you and adapting quickly to get to yeah. that ne next stage. I always say what got you from zero to six figures isn't what's going to get you from six to seven figures. Uh, so I'd love to kind of get into the tactical tips of starting a business online, because I know yeah. many of our listeners, they're at many different stages of their journey, but I always love to hear some tactical tips because it doesn't matter where we are in our journeys. We can always mm -hmm. learn how to do it better. I would love to talk about some of the strategies that you teach and if there's anything tactical that we can learn from you today. Yeah. So I think my expertise really lies in, you know, growing an audience on Instagram okay. and positioning yourself as a content creator, influencer, working with brands and things like that. So, um, I think the first one, the, the first kind of point I want to hammer home is a mindset shift between thinking of your following as not a following, but an audience. I think people get really, really caught up in numbers. Um, and, and, you know, always wanting to strive for like a hundred thousand followers, 200,000 followers, thinking of every single person that follows you as a person that you want to create a personal relationship with. Um, so, so understanding that and also understanding that micro influencers are poised right now, um, in, to be in a really good position, brands are working more and more with micro influencers. So it, it's, it's funny. A lot of people, you know, look at influencers that have over half a million followers and they're like, Oh, this person, you know, must be making so much money. But if you actually dig into like the quality of the relationship that that person has with their audience, they have a hard time selling products. They have a hard time getting their audience to trust their recommendations and therefore convert for brands. So I think just thinking of your audience as a community, wanting to get to know everybody in your audience is super, super important. Um, okay. I'm going to write some notes down because, and I think all of you guys should do the same because I think Christina is about to throw some really great, um, tips on us. So first is yeah. uh, going to be that treat your customers, uh, treat your, your audience as if they are an actual audience watching. It doesn't matter the number, yeah. focus on the yeah. people. Yeah. I would say, think about, you know, your Instagram page as 
a, as your home. And every single person that comes into your home, you want to welcome them. You want to, you know, provide as much value as you possibly can to them and create that personal relationship that will, you know, reward you tenfold down the line. So that's, that's definitely really important. Another thing I want to add to here too, before I move on to the next thing is understanding and using that fact when you are pitching brands, because a lot of brands are so focused on that follower number that they don't really understand how important the quality of your community is. Um, so really, you know, focusing on the fact that when you're pitching brands, like I have this really engaged audience, they've, you know, converted when I promoted this brand, um, and just kind of focusing on those engagement metrics that you have there, because, you know, these macro influencers are more celebrity types, micro influencers are more relatable, um, and people oftentimes end up trusting them a lot more. For those in the audience that don't know the difference between a micro and a macro influencer, could you share uh, a little bit of info there? Yeah, micro is what I consider it to be 10K to probably 50K. Um, everybody has a little bit different, but it's usually in that range. And then macro would be anything above 50, typically okay. speaking. Yeah. Very cool. So I think the next thing that's really important is niching down, um, specifically with, you know, Instagram and becoming an influencer and a content creator, the more niched that you are, the better, especially in the beginning. So, um, getting, deciding sort of like, what are you an expert in? And then what do you love talking about? What are you really passionate about and find where that overlap is? Because a lot of people are, are, you know, I love food. I love, uh, travel. I love home decor. Um, but what are you an expert in? What industry could you talk about for an hour on end? What are you, you know, following the trends in? And then maybe you can narrow down there to home decor. And I think an important point too is that just because you're really niched in the beginning doesn't mean that you can't expand in the future. The important thing is that you're using that niche to grow an audience that trusts you as an expert in that specific area. And then as you're growing that community that not only, you know, trusts your expertise there, but also begins to like you as a person, then you can start talking about other things, which is sort of what I did with my page in the beginning, very, very focused on just travel. That's all I talked about. And then now that I've grown this community that, you know, not only connects with me on that topic, but also, you know, as a person and talking about life, um, I'm able to incorporate some other elements like entrepreneurship and lifestyle. That's really cool. We always say uh, riches are in the niches. So yes, um, it's definitely great for you should be known for one thing, whether you're a brand listening right now, and you could be a social media creator for a brand, um, or working for a company listening, or you could be wanting to run a personal page and a personal blog, or you could be selling an, a, a business course. It doesn't matter. You have to be known for one thing. People don't want to trust somebody who's good at everything. No yeah. one's good at everything. Um, be good at one thing and be so good at that one thing that they cannot ignore you. So be yes. so good there. I agree with that. Okay. Exactly. So first is treating everybody um, like they're part of your home, which I love. I love that so much. And that niching down and knowing where your expertise really is and picking that mm -hmm. one lane. Yeah. And to get even more tactical too, like when you're planning out your content, deciding kind of what your content pillars are going to be. So for example, if you are um, in the travel space, your content pillars are like the three different areas that you post content about. You don't stray away from that. Um, and this will allow you to really, um, you know, plan out your content a lot easier. So let's say your overall niche is travel within that. Maybe you're posting about hotels, you're posting about, um, maybe travel hacking, and then you're posting about um, like destination tips or destination advice. So that will really help you plan out your content, especially captions when it comes to Instagram. 
Um, so that's the next thing that I would say is getting really clear on what those content pillars are. I say like three to five. Okay. So identifying what your content pillars are. Any last big aha thing that the audience should know on growing their audience online? What about the algorithm? I feel like something that everybody is always harped up on is the ever-changing algorithm. It feels like it's so tough to get noticed online. What are some tips that you have on getting noticed? Um, do you play around with hashtags? Like what is your, what is your algorithm hacking strategy? Yeah, I feel like a lot of people are <laughs> um, coming up with these theories about the algorithm. So I'll, I'll tell you guys what my theory on the algorithm okay. is. Okay. So if we think about obviously Facebook and Instagram as a business, they want people to spend more time on the app because that generates them more income from their advertisers, right? So to me, the accounts that get rewarded are the ones that keep people on the app for the longest. So whether that is showing up on stories every single day, being engaging, talking, you know, face to face with your camera, um, that is posting every single day on Instagram that is utilizing reels. That's really important right now. Um, I think Instagram, I know Instagram, they're, um, favoring reels right now. They're pushing that content way up. So definitely getting on that train right now would be great. Creating IGTVs again, keep people on the app for longer. Um, I think that's, you know, the overall general rule. So just, a lot of content that's going to keep you engaged for the for a long duration of time. We've also found that there isn't a hack. There isn't a thing that you do where it's not giveaways or this or that. It's actually you just posting really good stuff and being really yeah. good, like just showing up. And that's step one mm -hmm. and driving engaging conversations and what you talked about of bringing people in your home. Um, that's when they want to stay and that's when they comment and that's when you have conversations and that's when you DM and it's all of the different interactions that they have with you on social that count. It's not just that one interaction of a like anymore. And so exactly. I love that. Yep. I think listening to your audience overall too is really important. So something that I do is sort of audit, you know, my content for the last month and see which stories performed the best, which posts performed the best and kind of use those learnings moving forward. Um, and I think also, you know, a general rule for people is to just be yourself because you are your brand. A lot of people get caught up in like, Oh, well, there's so many, there's so many influencers out there. Yeah. There is, but there's always room for you because you're different and you automatically bring something new to the table than anybody else out there. And I think the thing that people don't realize is like, if I'm following two fashion influencers and they are promoting the exact same product, I'm going to follow one person A's advice over person B's advice just from the way that I connect with person A. Like it could be her vibe. It could be the way she talks. It could be where she lives. Something about that person is attracting me to her. So even though they're promoting the same thing, maybe posting the same type of content because they are different people, you know, you automatically have a different brand. So I think it's really important to just make sure that you're being yourself online. Don't try to be anybody else, um, than, than who you are. Oh, I love this. I really appreciate you giving us an inside peek into how you view the world on Instagram, because it's always important to see someone else's perspectives. And at the end of the day, it kind of boils down to like the same main principles. So it's always so validating to hear that um, and that it isn't some magic wand that you have. And it also takes years. And that's, I think, something that we um, are always like looking for and like looking at, well, this person has this and this person has that. And it took mm -hmm. you time to build that and to 
um, to get your audience to know, like, and trust you. And so it's a process. Uh, but I do believe that there's so much room for growth still on Instagram, um, and on these social platforms I would love to kind of take your, uh, like to understand your views a little bit on the business side mm -hmm. of it, because now we've talked about audience growth. Now we've talked about kind of your journey for the rest of this conversation. I'd love to understand how you made it to the 2% club. What were some of the challenges that you had along the way and how did you overcome them? And what are some tactical things that like we could take away on like your best practices and your tools and things that you want to share with entrepreneurs just starting out, but also ones that are scaling and that might be in that six figure range looking to get to that seven figure mark. Yeah. So I think, I think the most important thing, first of all, is uh, specifically if anybody is looking to create an online course or a coaching program or something like that, understanding that the amount of free content that you produce for people um, is probably the most important and can make the difference between a successful launch and not a successful launch. So something that I've definitely learned is focusing so much on adding free value to your audience, whether it's blog posts, podcast episodes, um, YouTube videos, whatever it is, so that you're spending, you know, months and months positioning yourself as a thought leader within that particular space so that when you launch a product, people are like, oh yeah, like I completely trust her on this. Um, you know, she has given so much valuable information through her free content. Hell yes, I'm in. So I think, I think that's a super important part um, that people oftentimes miss. Um, and then I think the second big thing kind of takeaway from the last few years is not being afraid to invest and take risks. Um, whether that's in building a team or investing in a coach or, you know, some really expensive online course or whatever it is, because those investments, you know, seem scary, but they are, I believe the only true way to really build your business and level up. So even if it feels scary that you're going to hire, um, you know, someone to pitch brands for you or someone to, you know, manage customer service, even if that dollar amount might feel a little bit scary, think of all the time that it's going to free you up to do other things and focus on like money generating activities. Um, and those investments always pay off tenfold in my experience. No, I, I appreciate that. If you can kind of take me back to when you started hiring your team out, I know now you have a team of 10 that does all these different things for you. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what was that moment like and how has it been for you adding on team members and what has that really allowed you to, to do and focus on? Yeah. So, I mean, at the beginning, I think the first hire that anybody makes is going to be sort of like a generalist kind of a person. So um, a, a typical, you know, virtual assistant, right? So you're looking at all the tasks that you're doing. What I recommend doing is like making a list of all of your recurring tasks that you're doing throughout the week and then make note of the ones that you don't enjoy doing or you're not good at. Those are going to be the first things that you're going to hire out. Um, so usually it'll be a generalist, someone to take on a bunch of random things. So it could be writing Instagram captions, um, writing blog posts, doing customer service, like random things with no specialty. I think that's generally speaking, everyone's first kind of hire. And then as you build out your team, you're going to, you know, bring on more specialists. So now I have podcast manager content manager, you know, ads manager, like very specific roles. And that really can just happens as you build your business and grow your revenue. So the first person that I brought on was a customer service person, because as I was sort of using Facebook ads, um, getting more leads, getting more customers and rolling more people into my online courses, I was spending two, three hours a day on customer service emails. And that was taking away from my ability to serve my students, interact in the Facebook group, uh, I was, you know, losing time to show up online for my audience. So that was the first hire that I made. Um, and that, you know, al allowed me to do, to do other things. And then from there, as I was growing my revenue, you know, I looked at the next place where I needed help and wanted to hire out. 
Yeah. And I think that's, that's, that's definitely the right approach. You don't have to have everybody all at once and you continue to grow your team um, over time. And also as the business needs evolve and the business needs change as well. Um, that's so incredible mm -hmm. that you now have that support. So you're able to do the things that really drive, move the needle for the business that are bringing in yeah. the revenue. Cause at the end of the day, there's so many things that can be automated, delegated, deleted, right? Mm -hmm. But there are some things that will just always require you. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and so, you know, in kind of moving into this CEO role, which is a huge shift from being a solopreneur, the things that I'm concentrated on are, like you said, I don't want, you know, a blog post going up without me taking a quick review. At this point, I trust my team that it's going to sound like me, but especially when it's your personal brand, you want to make sure that like everything sounds like you, everything looks like you and is on brand and, you know, al aligned with your values as a company at the end of the day. So now, you know, I'm doing, you know, some reviewing of work, um, but generally speaking, like my current role is all about um, creating, you know, Instagram content, showing up for my audience and also just like having that higher level visionary role. So instead of like, oh shoot, I need to write this blog post or, oh crap, I need to email 10 brands today for a potential collaboration. It's less of the nitty gritty and more of the visionary of like, what's the next thing that we want to create? Um, how can we tweak this funnel to be better? And then, you know, delegating to my operations person who then works with the rest of the team. So it's a completely different shift. Um, but I think it's, it's important to realize that it took me a very long time to get here. I mean, not very long, but you know, years and years to get here. Um, and I'm definitely, you know, very proud of, of the business that I've built, but understanding that it's taken years and taken a lot of risk and mistakes along the way. I love that. A couple of things that I, I know that I'd love to talk to you about. I've heard you say the word funnel so many times uh, through the process, <laughs> and also your Facebook ads. So many questions here, especially as we think about growing our brands. I feel like blogs, I haven't heard somebody talk about actually having a blog in a really long time. What are your thoughts there on having a blog? What do you do on Facebook? How does your ad strategy work? What is this overall funnel that you're creating that then drives? Because I think that it's really differentiating. I don't see people talk about this um, a lot. So I'd love mm -hmm. to learn from you in regards to that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, first of all, on the blog thing, I'm so passionate about this. I think that every influencer or content creator needs to have a blog. Okay. Um, like, hey, hundred percent. I'm very, very adamant about this because, because we don't have to log <laughs> up right now. Yes. Yes. So, um, the first thing is, is that this, it's the only this place. Is our blog. This is, I feel like this, so the podcast is our blog and our, yeah. Yeah. Our yeah. So I would just make sure with having a podcast, cause I have a podcast as well, that you're repurposing them into blog posts, SEO, optimizing them, promoting them on Pinterest. So that way you're, <laughs> she's taking notes guys, that your audience is not just coming from like your current subscribers and your Instagram followers, but it's SEO optimized. So if someone searches, uh, two years from now, um, tips on becoming an influencer. Maybe this, this podcast episode will pop up on page two or page one of Google if you've optimized correctly. So the first thing with having a blog and why it's so important is that it's literally the only place, maybe aside from podcasting sort of, but even then you're relying on another platform's algorithm. Um, it's the only audience you actually own. It's the only place that you can control where if someone comes to your world, you control the entire experience. Instagram is not like that. You're against thousands of other people in a feed and you're not able to control the algorithm at the end of the day. There's certain things you can optimize for, but you don't own it. That's the first important point. Diversification. Yes, exactly. And then the second important point is, um, is particularly when it comes to brand collaborations, you can charge a lot more 
for a brand collaboration if you have a blog. Um, so if a brand comes to you and says, you know, we want you to post these two sponsored Instagram posts, you can be like, Hey, do you also want a blog post for 3k, 4k? This content is going to be seen for years down the line, not just 72 hours, like on Instagram. So that's another kind of important point as well. Very cool. So blog is definitely very important, even though it's 2020 and it lives in a million places. I love what you talked about owning the experience. Blogs are not dead. We need to ensure that we're repurposing the content that we're already creating and turn it into uh, blog content that is also then SEO optimized for this, for our Google search engine. Yeah. And even if you think about it from the perspective of a funnel too, maybe any blogger that wants to create an online course or a digital product or whatever it is. um, If I'm, you know, I have a blog, everything is properly SEO optimized. I'm utilizing Pinterest. Pinterest is huge, especially for like lifestyle travel bloggers, um, drives my personally like 60% of my traffic. So it's hugely important. But if you think about properly optimizing your content on your blog for those places, someone can discover your content two years from now, maybe they're on your blog post and they see an opt-in for a freebie on the side. And they're like, oh yeah, I want this guide to, you know, five Instagram hacks, whatever it is, submit their information. If you've properly, you know, created an, an automation on your email marketing platform, every single time someone opts into that form, they'll be sent the form. Maybe they'll be sent a few other emails positioning you as more of an expert in the industry. Then maybe you, you'll be asked to join a webinar and then you can be sold into an online course. So once you've kind of set those things up, they can work for you for years. So it's not just Instagram, right? So you've got, you've got, we've got the blog up. Pinterest is huge. And then also you post the same things on Facebook and then drive Facebook Mm -hmm. ads as well. Yep, exactly. I feel like Facebook ads is such a simple tool, but it's so powerful. And we haven't actually, um, like I've actually, we utilize it again for fat merchant, but here at CEO school, we actually have not opted. We have not even done a single ad on Facebook yet. And this is what you're talking about. We don't have a massive audience. We just have a very highly engaged. You guys are awesome. Um, and we have like the best (laughs) audience in the entire world. So we've never actually done any sort of, uh, Facebook ads, but it's definitely next step for us to grow because we want to spread this message far. What are some things Mm -hmm. that we can take away to start? Like, where do you begin? Take us back. Maybe we're a tiny entrepreneur and you're like, Mm -hmm. I don't even have budgets for things. What are some strategies that we should be thinking about? Yeah. So I think tactically, if someone's looking to launch like an online course or digital product, I would have your first initial launch be two things, an ability to get success stories and testimonials from it. And then secondly, to be able to reinvest the money that you make from that launch into Facebook ads. A lot of people are against Facebook ads. A lot of people are like, I'm just going to use my warm audience, whatever. That's fine. But I think Facebook ads are really just a way to reach more people and oftentimes to reach your followers that might not even be seeing your content. Um, so I would think of your first launch as that. Um, I would make sure that your funnel works because a lot of people think that Facebook ads are just magical and all of a sudden you're going to make so much money. But I like to think of them as like fuel to whatever fire you've got going on. So if you have a trash fire of a funnel, it's not going to get any better. You're going to flush money down the drain. If your funnel is converting and working really well, super optimized and automated, Facebook ads are just going to scale that beyond your wildest dreams. So I think that's a really important point is to not think of ads as like some magic pill, but just amplification of whatever's currently happening. Which is exactly that. It's top of the funnel, right? Because these are leads that don't know you. So they're not bottom of the funnel leads. And if you think about what, what, a, what a marketing funnel looks like, you have top of the funnel, which is literally, imagine us writing um, a 
triangle um, and it's a backwards triangle. And the bottom of the funnel is like the leads that are really, really hot, ready to buy from you or that are ready to take action against something and the top of the funnel. But you need to have a wide enough funnel to then convert the, the lower bottom of the funnel, but you have to continually be adding to the top. It doesn't matter what mechanism it comes from, whether that be Instagram, Facebook, email list, blog, um, Facebook ads, you just need to have a wide enough funnel. But to what Christina is saying, and that is the secret sauce, Christina, is that you can bring them into the top, but if your funnel isn't converting and you actually don't know your audience and you don't have the right offer type and you, you know, they don't think you're an expert or, you know, it's not going to work. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also with Facebook ads too, you know, you can target people in your warm audience. So there's a way to set it up to like, you know, uh, be shown to the people who have interacted with your Instagram in the last 30 days. So people on your email list, so you can target warm leads. But I think another tip for cold leads, um, sort of off of what you said is sometimes a webinar into an online course isn't enough to get them to convert. So sometimes you might need to first show them a blog post that you've written, maybe a piece, like a, a piece of press, something that will start to, you know, get you on their radar and start, you know, seeing your face in more places and then be like, oh, hey, you want to join this webinar? You want to buy this online course? I love that. We call it multi-attribution model at Fat Merchant. And uh, uh, it definitely takes, I mean, online, we're just, everything's noisy now. I mean, this is how the yeah. world is today. And you can be the best at what you do, but you have to be able to break out from the noise. You have to be able to show that you're different and you have to honestly be seen. I think it's 22 times now where it used to be like, it took like five, seven, yeah. seven marketing touches when I was back in school was like marketing 101 when we thought digital advertising yeah. was new. And now it's literally three times as much and growing at a much faster rate. And the content needs yeah. to be in 15 seconds now. So not only do we have to be seen more, we have to do it so quickly because mm -hmm. our attention yeah. spans are so little. But yeah. what is really cool is that there's so many different ways to get to your customer. These are all just different avenues mm -hmm. to do it. Wow. This was yeah, exactly. so helpful. I love it when we can yeah. actually go deep into the business tactical takeaways, because it doesn't matter whether you're an influencer, whether you are a digital entrepreneur, whether you have a brick and mortar store and you are listening today, you need to have a digital presence that is multi-attribution. And Christina, thank you so much for sharing all of these incredible insights. I literally have a page full of notes. I know all of you guys do. I love it. Um, tell us, where can we learn more uh, from you? How do we find you? How can we support you? Thank you so much. Honestly, I speak on behalf of our entire audience. Thank you for all the knowledge that you've shared with us. Where can we learn from you more? Thank you so much, Sunira, for having me. Um, so for, if you guys are looking for just some free, free advice, free tips, I have a podcast called Her Life by Design. So that's covering um, influencer marketing, but also more generally speaking, creating a career online. So if you're someone that's looking to become a virtual assistant, a freelancer, um, start your own e-com, whatever it is, there's so much information and resources on that podcast. Um, also on my blog, christinagalbada.com slash blog. There's a ton of information. I also have two free trainings. So if you're someone that's looking to grow your Instagram audience, um, there's a free training for that that we'll link in the show notes. And then also another training on how to grow your blog. So depending on what you're interested in, Value, value, value across so many channels. I will definitely be checking them out. And I know our audience definitely will be checking them out. Thank you so much, Christina, for today's episode. And before I let you go, I always like to ask the question because 
one, I cannot tell you how proud we are of our like 2% clubbers. Like I am just so pumped. And I know that it is just, it's just, it's so aspirational, but at the same time, it's not, it's so achievable. And this is a message that we want to share here at CEO school is that it, it can be, if it's my story and if it's Christina's story, it can be your story too. Christina, what did you do to celebrate when you hit your million dollar mark? Was it something that you were, it was around the horizon and you knew it was coming or like what, what happened? Take us back to that moment. I want to hear about it. Oh man. I feel like you're probably the same way where it's like hard to celebrate wins, you know, like I feel like when I hit it, I was like, Oh, okay. So what's the next goal? What's the next thing? Um, but I have to, you know, remind myself to celebrate those moments. So my favorite thing to do is eat out pasta and wine. So that's my boyfriend and I did. <laughs> nice. So pasta and wine. Um, yeah. Celebration. I Simple love celebration. Yeah. You know, and it's important and it is important as entrepreneurs. Sometimes we do forget that's onto the next milestone and you like hit the, that milestone. And you're like, okay, what's next? And it's so quick uh, to do so. And um, you're so right. And I'm so glad that you got to enjoy your pasta and your wine. And I hope you have many, many more things to celebrate in your future. And I know we're so excited to be a part of it. Thanks so much, Christina, for being on the show. And we'll see you guys um, on the next episode of CEO School. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Follow us at CEO School on Instagram for show notes, inspiration, and exclusive behind the scenes that you won't find anywhere else. We also have an absolutely incredible resource for you. It's the seven lessons we learned building million dollar businesses. These are complete game changers and we want to give it to you absolutely free. All you have to do is leave a review of the podcast, why you love the show, screenshot the review, and email it to hello at ceoschoolpodcast.com and we'll send it your way.